Well, the lighting of the cauldron will signal the beginning of the 2022 Winter Olympics in Beijing. Back in 2008, my next guest was one of those who carried the Olympic torch towards that very same stadium in Beijing. Kemalturk Yeltsun is Uyghur, part of an ethnic minority Muslim population living mainly in the western Chinese province of Xinjiang. Canada's parliament has called China's treatment of its Uyghur minority population a genocide. And Human Rights Watch estimates that as many as a million Uyghurs and others have been arbitrarily detained in Xinjiang over the last several years. And that story is reflected in Camel Turk's own. 14 years ago, he proudly carried the torch for China. Today, he is in exile in the U.S., fighting to get his father, a well-known Uyghur scholar, out of jail back home. And he has long called for countries to boycott the 2022 games. Kemal Turk Yeltsun joins me now from Boston. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Imagine it must be to see another Olympic flame make its way through Beijing to the bird's nest. must bring back a lot of memories of the last torch rally for you, one that you were involved in. Yes, of course. I was previously a torch bearer for 2008 Beijing Summer Olympics. And uh, currently I am uh, actually actively opposing the uh, 2022 Beijing Winter Olympics and trying to boycott the uh, Winter Olympics. Uh, So it's quite a change for me, quite a transition for for me. And uh, yeah, it it definitely brings up lots of memories and uh, lots of reflections. Yeah. Maybe, and that's and that that's that's an incredible journey that's happened for you over the past fourteen years. All the things that have happened between two thousand eight and two thousand twenty two say so much too about what's unfolded in China to some extent. But maybe we could go back to those to those earlier days in two thousand eight. How did you become a, a torchbearer, and what did you have to do? So back in two thousand eight, when China was preparing to host the Beijing Olympic Games, back then. Uh, Every international, uh, every uh, summer Olympic Games have this uh, have this um, part called um, uh, Olympic Youth Camp, and I think it it no longer exists exists nowadays. But uh, back then, every Olympic Games have Olympic Youth Camp, and uh, the purpose of this Olympic Youth Camp is to bring in uh, youth from around the world, from like every country around the world. And to gather them, gather them together in this uh, hosting uh, Olympic hosting city, and uh, to have them like carry out activities together to like to promote this kind of international friendship and uh, and uh, this kind of uh, cultural exchange. And um, so, for that youth ca- Olympic youth camp, uh, every country sent two young athletes, and the China being a host country. Uh, China sent two uh, young uh, two youth from each province, and the, and uh, um, I was uh, selected as a member uh, from the Xinjiang uh, Xinjiang Uyghur Autonomous Region, uh, and um, I, I was one of the two members. And um, among from among those members, China selected uh, torchbearers, sixteen torchbearers, to carry out torch across the across various cities in China, and I was selected as one torchbearer as well. And I carried my torch at um, Qinghuangdao Station. It's a small city next to Beijing, uh, several days prior to the opening ceremony of the Beijing Olympics. Right, on the, near the Great Wall, right? The, um, yes. Um, it's the beginning of the Great Wall. Yeah. I mean, for our listeners who aren't entirely familiar with, with, with China and, and, and the different... Uh, groups that, that live in China, um, just to quickly explain, you are Uyghur, 
Xinjiang Autonomous Province is a Uyghur province, mostly was. Um, just maybe explain what that would have meant to be selected uh, as part of from that province as, as part to, to take part. So I am from uh, East Turkestan. We Uyghurs call our uh, homeland East Turkestan, and officially China calls it uh, Xinjiang Uyghur Autonomous Region. And uh, I, of course, there is not no much <laughs> actual autonomous there, but. Uh, I call it Xinjiang Uyghur Autonomous Region. And um, I was selected as a kind of a representative of my ethnic uh, Uyghur people to attend this um, from, from the Xinjiang Uyghur Autonomous region, region to attend this Olympic Youth Camp, uh, to attend this kind of cultural exchange program. So for, for us Uyghurs um, to have the opportunity to attend this kind of major international events back then was a very, truly a very... Um, exciting uh, event um, because uh, then China was not very open like uh, like uh, to the international uh, uh, events like like nowadays and um, we had very we have we literally didn't have much opportunity to participate to be a part of this kind of major international events such Olympic Games and to be a part of that kind of Olympic Games and, and to be selected as a representative of my people and to be a to to be a torch bearer even for the, for this uh, major Olympic uh, event is a actually it was a source of pride for for the people around me back then. That was uh, and it must have been exciting to be able to to take part. Of the, I remember I've seen pictures of you with the torch with the, with the tracksuit on. Um, did you keep any of those mementos? Yes, um, yes, it was it was actually really exciting for me back then when I was. At the age of seven, uh, seventeen, in high school, I was a sec- I was at the second year of my high school, and it was uh, to be a torchbearer back then in China was kind of this kind of very proudful thing. No matter who it is to to be to to, to have the opportunity to carry the torch, it was a very proud proudful moment for anyone's mm-hmm. life back then, uh, because everyone in China, like China, has had been promoting this uh, uh, Olymp- summer Olympics for years, even before it like for several years before it comes. So like the, the entire nation was at that time very excited for this event and that everyone is focused on this event. And uh, so to be a part of that event, especially as a crucial part of the torchbearer was a very source of pride. And uh, being a high schooler as I was at, at the age of 17, of course, it was a source of extreme pride for me. And uh, yes, I did bring my uh, torch with me to the United States as a, as a souvenir when I came to the United States in 2014. And uh, I, it was just kind of a souvenir for me for this kind of once in a lifetime event that I had the opportunity to do this, to be part of this kind of major uh, sportsman sports event. And um, yeah, it, it, it has been a, it had been a source of like good memories for me for several years, but later things have changed. Things have took, things took a, quick turn and um, the situation deteriorated very rapidly. And so now, you know, I I was going to ask you, you know, clearly everything changed very quickly. You went to the U S in 2014, I know. Um, And and then what happened? So I came to my, I came to study in uh, graduate school in the United States in 2014. And um, in the year of 2016, China suddenly changed its uh, behavior, uh, China suddenly ramped up its oppression against Uyghurs in uh, East Turkestan. Uh, 
so the first uh, casualties of that oppression, of this ramped up oppression, is my father, Yelkun uh, Rozi. He was a, a very uh, renowned Uyghur uh, writer and literary critic among Uyghur, Uyghur people in East Turkestan. And um, China just uh, came up with this uh, trumped up charges and um, uh, it, it's, it itself is a long story to tell. It's, it's about textbooks. It involves textbooks and education system uh, about Uyghur language education system. And the, you know, long story short, in order to abolish Uyghur literature textbooks and Uyghur language education, uh, China, uh, local authorities just uh, made up these uh, crazy story about these editors colluding together to, to infuse these textbooks with this, um, crazy like radicalism ideal ideals and to kind of poison these young kids and then they just um taking taking this as a pretext they just arrested lots of uh, intellectuals who was participate who participated in um compiling these textbooks and they canceled and abolished the Uyghur language education altogether yeah. including your father was arrested Yes, my father was arrested and uh, he was later sentenced to 50, 15 years in prison uh, under the charges of uh, inciting subversion of state power, which is a very common crime for political prisoners in China nowadays. And some people involved in textbooks, they even get a life, life-term sentences and some, some people even get death sentences. And, and, and so in 2008, you're carrying the torch as, as part of you know, China's opening up. And by 2016, your father's in prison. For, yes. for essentially, um, you haven't seen him since you went. You haven't seen him. I I, I, I gather. No, we didn't. Um, even until until this day, we have we didn't ha- we didn't have a chance to have any kind, any form of connection with my father. Uh, for more uh, more than a year after my father's initial arrest, uh, we didn't even know where he was located. We only knew at the beginning of 2018 that he was put in a sham trial at on January 2018 and uh, was sentenced to 15 years in prison. And after that, we knew that he was lo- he was imprisoned in a lo- local prison in Urumqi after after that uh, trial. But prior to that, we couldn't even learn his whereabouts. We couldn't learn about like. His health situation, nothing, and until this day, we don't have any connection. We lost all the connection with them. What What do you make of of the response from countries around the world, including Canada, who have imposed a diplomatic boycott um, to these games? Have they done enough? Have they sent enough of a message? So, especially the, the this turn of events, um, it really left a bitter taste in my mouth. The all the joyful moments that I had, all like all the memories, joyful memories that I had from being a torchbearer, uh, it really turned into something very bitter, bitter, bitter nowadays. And um, yeah, back then, I genuinely believed that I was contributing to um, non-political, like free uh, to an event, to a sports event, to a major sports event that is free from any kind of politics. And I was just I was just thinking that my actions were contributing this, to this kind of international friendship and the, like the sense of global citizenship and stuff like that. But uh, nowadays, after after what's happened, like um, now I'm looking back at it. It was more for China. China utilized this uh, 2008 Summer Beijing Olympics to kind of um, spread this uh, image of prestigious Chinese Communist Party. And it also used this um, opportunity to kind of install this, nurture this zealot nationalistic uh, feelings to its population. 
So now, nowadays, um, China is now again using the platform of Winter Olympics to kind of whitewash its uh, human rights records to kind of show this kind of sense of unity to its people, to show this kind of strength and unity to its people, and uh, to further promote zealous nationalist, nationalistic ideas. And um, so, seeing so understanding that what what had what had uh, what China had, has been trying to do, and uh, like putting it into, it into context with my own own. Um, personal tragedy tragedy and that also of course there's millions of Uyghurs currently still languishing in concentration camps jails and forced labor factories and the, to put this all together um, the Uyghur people around the world now they are trying to boycott to call for a boycott of this Beijing Winter Olympics uh, but of course it uh, now it already started and uh, and uh, the, the countries that we hope to ha- to ha- to help us to countries that we hope that could kind of show support for us that could show solidarity with us uh, they I, in my opinion these Western democratic countries uh, didn't do enough by just um, mildly uh, accusing China and uh, the, just this kind of politically boycotting the Beijing Olympics the, the countries could have done more could have done way way more to show their dedication and show their resolution in stopping China from carrying out this kind of genocide, this kind of uh, uh, human rights violations. But countries uh, just selected to, to, the, to do the least they could do, and they did exactly that. They did, they did the least they could do and just did this kind of weird, mild response of politically boycotting uh, China. So I think... Um, most of the countries by doing this is kind of try, trying to uh, humiliate uh, China in a mild way and to let China lose face to kind of reflect on itself, to, to push it, to stop its violations. But we have long passed the stage of kind of mildly humiliating China or letting China lose face to, uh, to hope for its stop these actions. China, the, the aggressiveness of China nowadays, the resolution of it to entirely eliminate the culture of Uyghurs, language of Uyghurs, and like even the physical existence of Uyghurs to, to a certain degree. It is like we cannot uh, compete with that by just coming up with this kind of mild resolutions, mild ac- accusations. We, re- we really have to show this kind of united front and a very strong resolution and dedication to stop a major aggressor as China from car- like con- perpetuating its, uh, its actions against Uyghurs and Tibets. Hamilton yeah, Kyalkun, uh, wish you luck in, 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 in your fight to have your father released. And thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you as well.